Hi, everyone. This is Sarah Harvey with the Psychic Medium School, and I'm here today with Sherry Fuentes. And I am so excited for our show today because uh, Sherry and I have kind of talked about this, and the, we're going to talk about the five love languages today. So I'm pretty excited about it because this is one of Sherry's specialties. Like she has a lot of knowledge around the five love languages. So I'm really excited for her to share that with, with all of us. And so um, Sherry is actually the love and relationship advisor, and she's been doing this for a long time. I, I'll actually let you introduce yourself, Sherry. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Sherry, and I have been, oh, I've been the love and relationship kind of advisor for, this is going on my third year now, um, as far as, you know, professionally doing this. But I started out this way because there was a group of friends. We had relationships that were crazy and we were the only people we could talk to about each, about these relationships because we understood because they were similar relationships. And when my friend who I did that with passed away two years ago, I realized everybody needs somebody like him. And I want to be that kind of person for other people. You know, the one who you can say, this is what messed up thing is going on in my relationship. And I'm pretty sure it's my fault. Help me figure it out. <laughs> so you're saying it's not always the other person's fault. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm just joking. So uh, uh, Sherry and I, right before we got on, I was telling her that my moon sign is Aries. And I found out that there may be times that I'm not right that I think I am. So that's kind of where that comes from. <laughs> So can you tell us a little bit about the five love languages, Sherry, from your perspective? Sure. Well, obviously there are five of them and they are um, words of affirmation, physical touch, receiving gifts, quality time and acts of service. And these are ways in which we both receive and express our love. And oftentimes we can be very invested in how we receive love without realizing that everyone else in our relationships are the same way. And so if you receive love in a certain way and your partner is, let's say in my case, I'm a physical touch person. Um, my husband, however, is an acts of service person and physical touch for him was not comfortable at first when we met. And he made a conscious decision to get comfortable with it so that I wouldn't feel rejected. For him, I'm not good at receiving service because I always feel like I'm the one who should be doing it. Someone who should be helping people and, you know, offering the drink and getting the dinner and all those sorts of things. But those are the things that feed his, his sense of love. You know, he loves to cook for me. He loves to make us dinner at night so that we both have a beautiful meal, but also because that's how he says, I love you. And it took me a little while to get comfortable in that receiving of love that way because that wasn't how I worked. So regardless of what your particular love language is, it's important to connect that to the love languages of the people you have relationships with so that you can express to them love in a way that they can receive it because it, it, it doesn't do really any good for you to give love in a way that someone else is not able to receive it because then it's just, bashing your head against a wall. It's easier. <laughs> yeah. 
So I just shared the link to the five love languages quiz in the feed. So if you guys haven't done that, I would definitely get in or go and do that after we get done with the live um, because it'll actually tell you which it'll give you percentages of what love languages um, you are um, what, what works for you basically. And there's a, if you go to the um, quizzes at the top of the site, go to um, love and then down on the right hand corner, it'll say singles. Um, that's actually your individual. And then it also has couples. So if you want to take it, uh, that's on the left hand, upper left hand. So if you want to take it as a couple, you can do that as well. But this actually goes beyond just romantic relationships. Is That's kind of what I'm gathering from you, Sherry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we all have, you know, we have friendships. We have work colleagues that we have to we have to relate to people on a level that they're comfortable receiving that relation so it's not just there's not just one thing that's going to work for every individual there's kind of a continuum where like i said you know physical touch might be my primary way of giving and receiving love but i also tend to work fairly well with quality time you know spending time with someone where they are the focus and that works well with friendships that works well with work colleagues and that works well with romantic connections because you are demonstrating sometimes physically by putting your phone down, but definitely emotionally connectively that they are important and you're focused on them for whatever time frame, so that they can receive the information that you're sharing with them in a comfortable, safe place for them. And that's the great thing about quality time as a, an option is you can always make someone feel special in that moment and help them better receive the information that you're sharing with them. And as far as our own love language, if we're having trouble uh, within, within relationships, whatever relationship, this could be your relationship as a child, as a parent, as a coworker. When, when you share with someone and find uh, share your love language, your primary love language, and find out theirs, it really it helps your relationship a lot. So if you're not getting what you want, this is, uh, and I'm kind of kind of getting into your area right here. Okay. But if you're not getting what you want from your relationship, uh, basically what Sherry's saying is that um, it's better to communicate this. And yeah, I think you talked about this the last time we chatted too. Mm -hmm. Um, that if you're expecting something and you're not actually um, verbalizing it and saying this is what you're expecting or that you want something, then you're not going to get it. I think right. we talked about that for like gifts for Valentine's Day. Like, mm -hmm. and I took, yeah. I, I really took your, your advice to heart and I asked for that Toyota Camry, but I'm not getting it. <laughs> uh, well, asking for what we want is, doesn't necessarily mean we get it, but it yeah. doesn't prove the odds. <laughs> So, and you know what's funny is, is I can actually relate to the cooking thing because my my boyfriend never cooks in our kitchen. Like he, one time he tried because I wasn't feeling good and he was making like hash browns for a party. And I was like from the couch, I was trying to give him instructions. He didn't even know how to light our stove when he first tried. Oh, <laughs> stove. Oh, it was great. But uh, he did make it. Everybody loved it. So he was excited about that. But his way, which I it kind of took me some adjustment, his way of showing me how much he cares is he takes, we go out to eat and he just, 
he pays for absolutely everything. He pretty much like if I try to pay, he's like, no, but when we're at home, I make supper and I plan supper. So mm-hmm. I can, I can definitely relate to your husband because that's kind of my way of showing that I care. But then after doing it for so long, uh, it's nice to be taken out to eat every once in a while. Oh yeah. And I try to cook. Um, but more often than not, it's, there's no space in the kitchen for me to cook. <laughs> Can't have two butts in one kitchen. He's a big, big cook, so he really enjoys it. And he tells me, you know, that's one of the wonderful things about this particular person in my life is that when I met him, we were both in a space where we were ready for that adult connection that involved talking about the things that are important and sharing the information that we didn't share in the past that cost us things and making sure that we were connecting with each other on the levels that are comfortable for each other. He's the one who told me about the five love languages in the first place and said, here, take this test and then talk to me about it. And that's what we did was I took mine. He took his, he sent my, sent me his and I sent mine to him and we talked about it and we talked about how, you know, if this happens, for example, if, if someone pulls away from me as someone whose primary love language is physical touch, that breaks my heart. That makes, makes me physically feel pain to have someone I love pull away from me. And although we talked about it briefly in the beginning of our relationship, it was later, I think it was after our first actual big fight, which was like three years in (laughs) that, um, we talked specifically about if you pull away from me, this is how I feel. And that's, that's one of the things too, is learning how to talk to your partner in ways that aren't confrontational. You know, I'm explaining, this is how I feel when I see this. It's not that he's done anything to me or made me feel a certain way. This is the reaction my body and my heart have when I see this behavior. Mm -hmm. And that makes it where it's, non-confrontational and something you guys can, can, can discuss as a couple, as opposed to something to fight over. Right. And that's, that's a big part of that talking to your partner about what you expect and what you need and knowing that, yeah, it's hard discussion sometimes. And sometimes you're going to get mad at each other and you're going to yell at each other. And those things just happen. You just have to be able to go, okay, I don't know what started that fight, but neither of us want to continue it. So let's move on and feel better and not just keep bringing things back up. And I think that's part of, it's, it's not a love language so much as it is understanding that as a grown up, you have to take responsibility for your own feelings, your own reactions to things and share that information with your partner so that they're not blindsided. Is there, I think there's very few things worse in a, in a relationship than, getting blindsided by your partner going, this has never worked for me. You know, 20 years into it, this has never worked for me. Well, now's not the time to start thinking about that. (laughs) Yeah. Especially after that long. And you know, I had the, I was in a six year relationship and that happened to me. And I was just like, how have you not been happy? Like I know that I've been moderately now I'm with my boyfriend. So I see the different things that could have been better that I didn't see before, which is funny. It's kind of like the difference between just dating someone and then meeting your soulmate. My boyfriend and I could sit at a table before dinner, both be on the phone. And it's not like we're not paying attention to each other, but we will actually be looking at Facebook and communicating to each other 
what we're seeing and did you see this or did you see that? And it doesn't bother us. But mm -hmm. I know with some people like in the past, especially uh, when I was with just in a relationship that wasn't as healthy, like if that was happening, uh, like if I was on my phone or they were on their phone, it was a disagreement. Right. So I think it's different with every relationship, too. When you can understand each other at that level, it makes things so much better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so that that idea of um, what works for the couple, don't worry about what everyone else is doing. What Figure out what's working for you and what makes you feel loved and what makes your partner feel loved and then tag with everybody else. Yeah, I agree. Because what's normal for us isn't normally or isn't necessarily normal for other people or isn't necessarily what other people find. Like I've had people say to Sean and I that, uh, we seem to get along and we really don't fight all that much. We now lately uh, we're, I'm on one about going on vacation because I want to actually go to Savannah or, you know, just go somewhere nice because he's getting ready to go into the field in the springtime. And so uh, I'm but I've learned to uh, figure out how to get the things like not in a negative way, but like, what do I got to do to get him to be excited about it, too? And. Cause he like, he wants to go to Vegas and I don't with people. I'm like too many people, too much going on. That's over sensory overload to me. And so I want to go see some haunted houses. I want to go hear about history. So I'm going to talk him into it. I've already, I've already been working on it. So we're, My husband I, always says, if you can change her mood, you can change her mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Too. <laughs> that's why he, that's why he feeds you good food. Cause yes. <laughs> What do they say that, uh, what is it that hurt? You probably know that saying, uh, if you want to please a man that start with feeding him, cause that's what gets to his heart. I don't know. There's yeah. some saying like that yet, <laughs> which I think is funny. It's a women with women too. Like I oh, see yeah. those, uh, feed me tacos and touch my butt. And I kind of giggle. Cause that's like, Tacos are delicious. So I'm married to a Mexican man who likes to cook. I love tacos. <laughs> I bet he can season amazing food. Oh, yes. So fresh barbacoa in the kitchen right now. That's that's a, that's awesome that he'd like to do that. Uh, I actually I made some wontons yesterday that I was pretty excited about, but it took a couple tries because I was frying them. Um, but everybody enjoyed them after they were done. So how would you say that our childhood affects our idea of what love language works for us personally? For the In most our, part, I think people have to remember your, your first relationships were with your parents and your siblings and you watched every relationship around you to learn what was normal for that family. Um, and you know, a lot of us, especially at my age, I think a lot of us come from um, broken homes where there was divorce and the relationship between our parents was not necessarily something we wanted to emulate, but we got used to it and it was what we thought was okay. I, I know I can look back on my earliest relationships and see the emotionally distant man that was the representation of how my father behaved in relationships he was emotionally distant and that was what I thought was normal. And so for the first, you know, 30 years of my life, that's what I thought I wanted from a husband or a boyfriend or whatever relationship it was. It wasn't until I had the chance to really 
learn what I wanted and what I thought a healthy relationship would look like, that I was able to start making different choices. And that's, that's a big part of what I try and teach people is you have to start with yourself. You have to start with the relationship with yourself and you can use the, the, the techniques that are part of the love languages on yourself. You know, I personal, you know, the personal touch one is a little tough for me because I don't really like massages and strangers, but um, I can take a nice hot bath or a hot shower, something that is physical and get that kind of in um, the, 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 I'm sorry, hormone boost. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) Yeah. They get from the physical touch with a partner. So, you know, it's, it's important to know your love language, not just for other people, but for yourself too. So you know how to, how to take care of yourself, how to love yourself so that you can be available to be loved by other people, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I actually have my, and this is kind of why I brought that up is uh, it took me a long time to figure out because you and I just talked about it before when we uh, were, before we went live, but my primary love languages, words of affirmation. And the reason I asked you about childhood experiences is because it took me a really long time to understand why physical touch and hugging wasn't a love language for me or that it's kind of at the end. And what I realized, and I guess I didn't, I didn't associate this at the time with love languages um, until I started reading about it. But I realized maybe when I was in my 20s, late 20s, that the reason I didn't like to be hugged is because, um, and I do with my brother and stuff every once in a great while. I think me and my brother, last time we hugged might have been a few, my mom's funeral. But that's just not what we do. That's not how we um, show each other appreciation. But what I realized, this is going to be interesting to you, because it actually took me a lot to realize, is when I would get in trouble, and this is kind of weird, but it, it happened. When I would get in trouble, my mom had to, or my mom would, she kind of had, Um, mood swings of sorts. And so when I would get in trouble, she would actually have um, like her moment of peace of, of, okay, now we're done and I'm done yelling at you and you're done being in trouble. Now give me a hug. Mm -hmm. And it almost seemed like a forced thing. And it was a forced thing. I'll just be completely honest. So I had to realize that um, that was why I was so like distant when it came to other people. And so actually when I had kids, I had to be very, very aware because kids love, like it's important to hug your children and to show them that kind of love when they're young so they understand that that's okay. And so I had to recognize that and actually kind of work past it. And so now I hug my kids all the time, but when it comes to like me and my brother, we don't hug, my dad and I hug, but it just, it's different with other people, you know, it's, it's, and I realized that was just something that I had to uh, like just understand and move past, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that there's been a trend recently in child rearing where you give your children permission to say no to hugs from family members that they don't want to hug because otherwise you get what you, what you've just expressed is this kind of resistance to it because it felt like it was forced. And I can tell you that I definitely carry that same resistance with people I'm not familiar or comfortable with, you know, like the aunt you saw once every seven years, I don't want to hug you. I don't know you. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. sort of thing. And that happens, you know, because they're we're in a huggy community. You yeah, know, the, my husband's an actor. And for whatever reason, actors want to hug. 
And there are certain of his friends and our friends that I'm okay hugging, and there's certain I'm going, oh no, over there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like that with other people too. But if I'm like, if we go out and I'm at a party or something and I've drank a you know, a couple glasses of wine, then I'll hug people because then Mm -hmm. my, you know, but otherwise. So it's really funny when people are like, well, you hugged me the last time we seen each other. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that was a different the, beer, the wine hugged you. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, the wine hugged you. Yeah. <laughs> so now, why is it important? We kind of talked about why it's important uh, for you to know your partner's love language. Is there any more that you want to cover on that topic? I think it's important. One, like I said earlier, remember that it's it's a continuum. It's not that people have one love language and that's it. There's you know little bits and pieces of all of them that can work for someone. Um, it's all about talking about what is comfortable for you and what's comfortable for your partner, and what works on the receiving end versus the giving end. You know, I, I get embarrassed when I when I when people give me gifts. It's just the way I've always been. Um, but I understand that you know, for example, my father-in-law likes to give gifts, so mm-hmm. I have to adjust how I receive them because I don't want him to think for whatever reason that I didn't like something because that's not the case. I'm just a little uncomfortable getting gifts. Right. Um, So it, you have to kind of keep in mind what is going to work for you as a recipient, as well as what works for you as the giver of that love Um, and find ways to get comfortable in at least a little corner of each of the five languages so that as you come in contact with people who have the different languages for their primaries, you're better able to connect with them because this is all about connection. So it's all about being open to the opportunity to connect with another human being and to do so in a way that's comfortable for both of you. And with the pandemic, uh, people who are huggers and shakers. That's interesting because now we can't do that anymore. So do you feel like people that um, touch physical touch is one of their primary um, love languages? Do you think that that probably affects them a little bit more during this time? I'm sure that it does because, you know, I'm not really comfortable touching people outside of my home anyway. So it hasn't really affected me, even though physical touch is my primary. But that being said, when we got, we just got married in October and we had a few people who were able to come to our wedding and we had to make it clear right up, right up front, you got to wear a mask and we can't hug because he works with people on sets where COVID uh, protocols are very strict and we can't risk anybody getting sick. Yeah. And that meant that I saw a couple of people kind of standing around with their shoulders a little tight and a little uncomfortable as we started wrapping things up. Cause what do you do next? You hug the bride and groom, not here. Yeah. You don't <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, and I think that for both extroverts in general and people for whom physical touch is their, one of their primary love languages, this pandemic has been especially difficult because we have separated ourselves and we have, distanced ourselves physically, even from the people we love. And there's the overarching issue of pandemic depression has been horrible for people who have those tendencies and those practiced um, activities and behaviors of needing that physical connection with people. It's just, it's just been a really difficult time. 
I've noticed recently, and this actually, we were in a, I don't know if we're, I don't think we're now in a recession in our, in the United States, but at the points that we go into like depression, economic depression or economic recession, and this is kind of off topic, but it seems like suicide rates increase. And that's one of the things that I've noticed during this pandemic is suicide rates, I guess in my area, I don't know about your area, uh, you in Georgia, but it seems like it's increased, doesn't it? Like, yes. And I, I think part of that is our, our emotions, everything about our emotions and feeling um, appreciated kind of goes around those love languages. So understanding how you receive um, the, you know, how, how you're receiving things when it comes to your love languages or how you're receiving uh, the emotions. I think that's important when it comes to depression too. Like if you're, if you're constantly getting, um, like these are extreme. So if you're constantly getting gifts and you're not getting uh, interaction or shown appreciation or physical touch, then that's just completely, it's like making this person feel like they're not appreciated at all because, you know. Yeah. Because there's no connection to that primary love language. They feel disconnected from the people they love. And that can have a profound effect on anxiety and depression. Because a lot of us who help, who carry that burden of being anxious and depressed, we turn to the people we love for affirmation that we are worthy and that we are lovable and that we are being loved. And if it's not addressing us in a way that we can receive it, it might may as well not have come. And yeah. so if for you, your primary is physical touch. And that's, that's the pretty much the only way you've ever accepted love in your entire life right now would be horrifying for you because there's just no way to make that kind of connection. And like I said earlier, it's all about that connection and our energy as human beings, we want to connect with other human beings. We want that connection. That's why we spend so much time and so much energy on looking for love and then trying to stay in love and instead of, you know, developing the, the, the base of our relationships into something that we can express to others because we haven't fully expressed it to ourselves, we are then fighting that energetic draw that we have to people because the, the, the pandemic has said you can't go out. You can't see other people. You can't get close to other people. And that is just devastating to someone who needs that connection in order to feel love. Yeah, I agree. I, and I've been in social situations where uh, like funerals lately uh, in the last, I don't know, six months, a handful of them and people uh, like looking at somebody, whether or not you're going to hug or not, like that's kind of like, cause I mean, in, in our area in Iowa, it's like shaking hands and hugging is kind of like, I guess, very normal, um, especially with family and uh, especially at funerals, things like that. Like, I get what you're saying with your wedding, because it almost feels like if you didn't go and shake the bride and groom's hand or you didn't uh, hug them, that you're uh, like leaving something out, like you're not mm -hmm. showing your appreciation. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I could see how that would be, that could be awkward for people like air high five. <laughs> We're happy for you. Yeah. So elbows. Yeah. Elbows. <laughs> so um, how can you apply your love language to self-love? 
I think it's important to look for activities and self-care statements and thoughts that appeal to your love language. You know, like I said earlier, I don't like massages, but I do like a good hot bath with a good book and, you know, time to myself to relax. If you are a gift giver or receiver, go shopping or hit Amazon. You know, do the little things for yourself, but base them on the way you most like to receive love. Because why would you give yourself less than you would want someone else to give you? So if you really are a gift giver and receiver for love, buy yourself something once in a while. I mean, don't go overboard because that makes you crazy anyway, but choose for yourself the things you would choose for others. You know, so often we say things to ourselves we would never ever say to another person because we are so much harder on ourselves than we are on other people. Well, switch that around. Be as good to yourself as you want other people to be good to you. And if that means, you know, getting a massage or um, writing out affirmations and putting them up where you can see them that remind you how wonderful you are or listening to music that does that for you, whatever it is, do those things for yourself so that you can benefit from that kind of love. And that works whether you're in a relationship or not, because you really need to spend the time and energy on yourself and your own love if you want to be filled with the energy to be able to give love to other people. Plus, when you are living in love energy, you draw more into yourself. So if you're working hard on loving yourself and you're, you're thinking you'd like to have a relationship and you're not in one, that's the best way to start to bring love energy into your life is to love yourself and draw that energy in all the time. You know, what's funny is, and I don't know if we talked about this, but it seems like uh, when someone is com completely content, like I, I've worked with a lot of clients like this, they're completely content in their life. They love themselves. They've accepted being single and they're happy being single. And then all of a sudden the right person comes along. What's your take on that? Why does that happen? Like I kind of have my own idea, but I want to hear yours. I think yours is going to be really interesting because I think this is actually, is this what happened to you? Yes. That's what I thought. Yeah, it is. Um, for a very long time, I, I picked the same wrong relationship. I, as an empath was drawn to, I couldn't tell you how many narcissists. And it finally took me going, you know what? I'm done with this. This is exhausting. I don't love this. I'm not happy ever. Not when I'm with someone, not when I'm not. So let me figure out how to be happy first. And I did that. It took me about five years of concerted focused work to work through all the issues I'd had and then come to this place where I was happy and comfortable and felt that I was worth loving the way I was, no matter, no matter what anybody else saw on the surface, the way I was, was perfect. And in walks this guy, our first meeting was very strange. I had actually seen him do a short film about two years before I met him because we had a mutual friend. And then I was staying with someone here in Atlanta and she kept telling me about this guy who was going to be moving in and his name was Indiana and he was a ballet dancer. And I was thinking, okay, that sounds a little strange, but let's go with this. So I walk in one day and there's this guy, he's moving in. And I look at him, I went, I've seen you act before. And then because I was done and I'm socially awkward, I left. <laughs> <laughs> and he was left standing behind me going, 
I don't know what that means. Was that good? Was that bad? What? <laughs> so yeah, it was when I was finally in a place where I was comfortable with myself that I was able to welcome this crazy energy that was this man standing in front of me going, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's it makes for a good story later though. So how did you guys end up? That's how you first met. So what happened? What, what changed that? Um, he was, like I said, he was moving into that house and I was in the process of moving out in a couple of weeks and we just started talking and, you know, um, hanging out together and he would cook and I would talk while he was cooking and, we stayed up late at night and then I moved out and he was, we would call each other at night and I'd fall asleep and he'd just let me sleep and listen to me breathe. And if I woke up, he'd talk to me some more and <laughs> then we moved in together and that was it. <laughs> so it wasn't as socially awkward as you thought it was then. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> so Actually, I think he finds my social awkwardness kind of cute. I can see that. That makes like some people when sometimes outgoing people, extremely outgoing people can be a little overbearing. So when people mm -hmm. are like, it, it is, it's cute. Some people like <laughs> it just works for. So Cassandra uh, says, yes, we hug everyone. I miss hugs. Do you have any good advice? And I know this is going to be a hard one. Uh, do you have any good advice for people who uh, need that physical touch during this point in time? I would say, and this is with, with my idea of extreme safety in mind, because yep. we've been dealing with this going on and on for a year now. This is when you find ways to, and I know it sounds weird, touch yourself. <laughs> you know, because every so often, you know, I'll find myself just doing this or, you know, um, brush my hair or uh, give myself a pedicure, do it. Lotion, lotion on your yeah, legs. lotion or anything like that. Just something where you're feeling a hand on your skin. Because sometimes that's enough. Um, the hot showers, the hot bath where you can, you know, add in some Epsom salt to kind of help you ground and put in any crystals or herbs that you enjoy. And just let that feeling of the water and the energy and all of that work for you that can help too. I know it's super hard when you're trying to find ways to not touch people, but touch people at the same time. Yeah. And it, it, it's not worth stressing yourself out over, even if it means doing weird things like, you know, tickling your own arm. Because <laughs> I, I can tell you that over the years when I was alone, I would do things like that. And I started doing that when I was a child and it was something that I'm so lucky. My mother understood that, those, those sorts of gestures were comforting to me. And so she didn't try to break me of those habits. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people feel really strange about touching themselves. And it's because we've been taught from our weirdo society that it's a bad thing to touch yourself. It's not, you know, find ways that are comfortable and the grounding of any sort, whether you can go outside and put your feet on the ground, or if you live near a beach, go for a walk on the beach and, you know, get that, that earth energy to your, to your, your root chakra, especially will help curb those cravings. Um, 
And I would recommend. I didn't know it was her. weird to touch yourself. I massage my feet and my hands all the time. <laughs> well, see, there, there you go. Um, I just know that there have been a lot of people over years who have told yeah. me, you know, that's just weird. I'm like, okay, but it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, then why do you think it feels good? Because it's not supposed to be weird. <laughs> yeah, I actually, that's something that I do every once in a while if I'm feeling stressed is I will massage in between my fingers. And I noticed that the, those areas on my hands get really tight from typing and you're like massaging your feet. It's, I know it's, it's work when you're doing it yourself, but it's still nice. Like I like mm -hmm. to put lotion on living in Iowa when it get winter time comes, it gets so dry here. So I do that every once in a while. And I think that's, I don't know. I think that's important. And we actually have, which we aren't going to go too much into, but there's pressure points that help you with anxiety and that type of thing in your hands and your feet. So the other thing you might want to look into is something called EFT. Um, it's tapping because that's, that's a physical thing too. And that is where you're going to touch certain parts of your, your face, um, your chest, the top of your head to help activate energy centers and open them up so that the energy can flow. Again, this is something that will help with the, the chakra system. It will help with getting you grounded but it's also a matter of touch and that can help with those cravings. That's good advice because I think those, the people who that have that as their primary love language, like they, they, it has to have some sort of uh, like emotional effect on them to not be able to have that physical touch. Oh, absolutely. So how can you best express your love to your partner for each of the five love languages? Well, it's going to depend a lot on the individual, but there are some kind of basic um, things that you can do that will help express a particular love language. For example, um, words of affirmation. This is where you want to tell your partner that you love them, that you appreciate the things that, they, that they're doing. Be specific. You know, if somebody takes out the garbage or does the laundry, say, thank you for doing the laundry. You know, be specific so that they can see that whatever it is that they're doing is touching you and you are benefiting from it and you accept that they have done this for you and they are, um, you, you value them because of this particular act. That's what they want to hear is that they, that they have value to you. Um, let's see. We've talked a lot about physical touch. So receiving gifts, if your partner is a receiving gifts kind of person, it doesn't have to be something expensive. It can be write them a love note. And leave it someplace for them to find as a surprise. You know, every so often my husband will draw something and write something on the mirror in the bathroom in the in the steam. And I'll see it the next time I take a shower. Um, that, that always makes me smile. Or he makes a little flower out of a, a um, cough drop wrapper. And he'll leave it someplace for me to find it. Those are great little gifts that don't cost anything. They just take a little time and effort to do. And it's, it's about on the receiving end, it's about knowing that your partner values you in a way that they want to express through a gift. Um, quality time. This is a, the most important part of quality time is to stay focused on the connection between the two of you. Um, you know, you can take a walk, but leave your phone at home or leave it in your pocket, that sort of thing. Take the dog out for a walk. We do that periodically where he'll come out with me when I'm walking the dog. Um, but focus on one another even if it means just 10 minutes of we're just going to talk or if you're distant from each other that the, you mentioned, you know, chatting with your boyfriend on Facebook specifically while you're on it, 
my husband and I, we do that with uh, Instagram and cute dog videos. We'll shoot them back and forth at each other. Yeah. Um, and I, that's connective and it shows that you're focused on them for that moment of thought. And it gives you that technological connection where if you're distant from one another, you can still do that quality time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I actually did a whole series of, you know, 13 technologically distanced dates for our pandemic. That's <laughs> so interesting ways you can have a date that you don't have to be in the same physical space with them. Um, included dance clubs and stargazing and picnics and all that kind of stuff. Have um, you seen, there's a, uh, this is a total sidebar. Have you seen the show? Um, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's similar to like a love Island type of thing, but they actually put uh, groups of people in a house and they have them like, uh, what do they call that? When you date, uh, go on little short dates. They, oh, speed dating. Yeah. So they basically speed date, but they are in a room together where they can't, or two separate rooms together where they uh, can talk to each other, but they can't see each other at all. I thought I that was really, that. <laughs> oh, it's a re I can't remember what the show is called, but it was really interesting because it goes through the whole process with them showing how they, um, how they began their relationship and how they connected and then what happened when they actually saw each other and cause they were getting married. If they decided to be with that person, they were getting married, which I think is a little extreme, but yeah, yeah they, uh, they did show the whole relationship and it was interesting. They called them pods and going from the pods to real life. Uh, they may have had a connection, but some of them didn't have the connection any longer because then all of society and all these things we deal with in relationships and, you know, our own personal lives, uh, it kind of in, I guess, affected their relationships, which I thought was interesting. Definitely. So, sorry, I interrupted. You were doing the love languages. I was just making sure I didn't miss any of the important ones. Like I said, we've talked a lot about physical touch, so I think we're good. So now... We, I've told everybody that you're a love and relationship advisor. So who, what types of people do you help the most? I am looking for the folks who are ready to make the change. The ones who have had the years of, of unhappy relationships where they just weren't getting what they needed. And part of it is because they didn't know what they wanted. So if you're at that point where you're ready to have the happy and healthy relationships that you desperately desire. That's where I come in. Cause I can help you from start to finish manifest that perfect for you partner to help you find your way to where you are ready to receive that. So I think a lot of times we spend a lot of time looking for love, but we're not ready to receive it. Right. It going and coming out of other relationships. Now I wonder if you find found this difficult you kind of talk about how uh, when uh, you in Indiana, mm -hmm. okay, when you guys went got together, was it, because I kind of gathered this, was it awkward at first? Not awkward, but like you didn't think it was uh, from your past relationships to a relationship with him. You weren't used to some of the things that he did. What, because I always, I guess I've related that to like, are things too perfect? Like, I don't understand. Like what, you know what I'm saying? Like, did, was that something you thought too? Like he's too oh, perfect. He's too perfect to be true. We really have our first 
big blow up fight until about two years in. Um, so it felt like there's a part of me that always wants to trust people that always yeah. wants to believe that what they're telling me is there is the absolute truth. And then there's a the part of me that has been lied to so many times that it knows better. And when someone is forthright and honest with me from the moment we meet, that can be confusing to me because part of my brain is going, they're lying. They're lying. Yeah. And th that simply wasn't the case because like I said, and part of this was the two of us had separately come to a place in our lives where we were ready to be a partner to someone else. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're just not ready to be a partner. We're ready to be okay with ourselves, but we're not ready for other people to connect with that. We had reached that point on our own where we were each ready to connect to someone else. Although he swears up, down, left, and right, he was not. <laughs> I knew I was. It had been about five years since I had been in a serious relationship, and I was just, I was done with dating. <laughs> yeah, but yeah I, you're right. Because we came as separate whole human beings, there were things that set off alarms. But because we were grownups and we decided we wanted to try to do this, we talked about it. You know, I was very upfront and honest with him about the kinds of relationships I had had and what their outcomes were. And he was the same way with me. And that made a huge difference in how we understood the different ways we were trying to connect. So if somebody is looking, if they're wanting to help manifest this soulmate relationship in their life or the relationship with the an ideal partner what, you have a website that they can go to that I'm going to link below. Okay. And so, and then also the five love languages, I'll link that below as well. So okay. if anybody's looking for, if you're looking for that next step in your relationship or, you know, your, well, your relationship with yourself and finding that romantic relationship that you're looking for and trying to get over the challenges from past relationships, then Sherry is the person to talk to. She knows a lot about this and she's helped a lot of people. And so we're going to put the link down below for you to be able to contact her and, uh, go in deeper what your love languages are, how this is working for you. And it goes way beyond that. So preparing you for that relationship that you're looking for. So I'm so happy that you guys joined, joined us and thank you, Sherry, for coming on. It's always great having you. And I love learning about the five love languages. I think that's going to help a lot of people. I really hope so. You have a great day, Sherry. Thanks. You too. Bye guys. Bye. And if you are on, uh, you're watching this on YouTube, definitely like this video and subscribe to our channel because I'm sure we're going to have Sherry on again, which I'm really excited about. We'll figure out what our next topic is. <laughs> Bye, guys.